0: Amen. Our scripture reading comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 16, verse 10 through 13. If you have a Bible, you can read along or watch on the screens. This is Jesus speaking. He says this, Whoever is faithful in a very little is faithful also in much. And whoever is dishonest in a very little is dishonest also in much. If then you have not been faithful with the dishonest wealth, Who will entrust to you the true riches? And if you have not been faithful with what belongs to another, who will give you what is your own? No slave can serve two masters. For a slave will either hate the one and love the other, or be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Well, we are this morning finishing up our sermon series defying gravity, breaking free from the culture of more. And I don't know if any of you know what the Terracotta Army is, but uh, I know some of you might have actually seen them in person in China. But the Terracotta Army is a collection of sculptures depicting the armies of Qin Shi Huang, who was the first emperor of China. He ruled at a time when various... Uh, Provinces were at war with one another. and He was a great military leader, and he conquered province after province and united them all into one nation, launching the Qin Dynasty, for which China is probably named. Qin had an expansive vision for his country. His public works projects included the unification of diverse states, and state walls into what later became the Great Wall of China. And he had a a massive national road system as well. But one of the emperor's greatest concerns was with his own death. And he undertook a, a futile attempt to find an elixir of life so that he could live forever, in a sense. But he soon found that he couldn't find such an elixir that one didn't exist and so he realized that one day he would, in fact, die. And he used his health, well, not his health, but his wealth and his power to build a massive city-sized mausoleum for himself. Craftsmen created life sized terracotta army to guard his tomb in the afterlife. The purpose of the warriors, the cavalry, the soldiers, and horses were to protect the emperor after he died. And it took the army years and years to build this terracotta army. By the time Qin died in 210 B.C., his mausoleum was surrounded by more than 8,000 soldiers, along with chariots and horses, And when you see the pictures and the diagrams uh, of the terracotta warriors and horses, you cannot help but being amazed at how China's first emperor focused his resources on himself and his experience of the afterlife. Well, 200 years later, and about 4,000 miles away, uh, a Jewish rabbi named Jesus of Nazareth began teaching people about another kingdom, the kingdom of God. Or the kingdom of heaven. Like Qin Shi Huang. Jesus was bringing people together. But but not into a nation with physical boundaries. Or a dynasty based on bloodlines. No. Jesus was welcoming people into a kingdom. That would extend beyond all boundaries. And unite people across time. Rather than teaching people to amass fortune and power in this life or creating a false sense of security for the afterlife. Jesus taught his followers to be generous with love, with forgiveness, and kindness. He taught them to be careful about the gravity that surrounds money, possessions, and wealth that that tend to draw people away from the kingdom of God. He told a story about a man who had an unusual harvest. He was blessed with a great harvest. And and the man, rather than sharing that harvest, decided to build bigger barns to store it all. So he could sit back and, as the text says, eat, drink, and be merry. So he built the bigger barn. And Jesus finished the story in this way. He said this, But God said to him, You fool. This very night, your life is being demanded of you, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So it is with those who store up treasures for themselves but are not rich toward God. Such an important message, this this message to be rich toward God. Both Chin and Jesus were teaching about the afterlife. One built the ultimate bigger barn. Surrounded by all of these soldiers. A palace mausoleum he thought would support him in eternity. But which were covered over with dirt over time, over the centuries. Just to be uncovered and they're still there doing nothing. But Jesus, he would have none of that. He told people to be rich toward God. And he specifically said this, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust consume, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourself treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust consumes, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Why did Jesus teach these things? Here's what I believe. Because I think Jesus wants the best for us we have been created in the image of God and so Jesus being the Messiah the Son of God he knows what's best for us what will actually give us joy and happiness and peace he wanted us to finish our lives with the knowledge that we were already in the kingdom of heaven we do not have to wait for death to be in the kingdom See, Jesus is teaching us that he wants us to have life now. He wants us to have kingdom lives now. Not just in the sweet by and by. Not just in some glad morning I'll fly away. No. He wants us to have life now. And so this is what Jesus is teaching us. The kingdom of heaven is not just some far off land in time and space. The kingdom of heaven is now. The kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven, it's used both ways in the Gospels, are the here and now. Whenever we do the will of God and align our lives with God, our purposes with God's purpose, we are in his kingdom in the here and now. We have no fear of death because Jesus has given us salvation now. We don't fear the afterlife because we have been given salvation now. We have been promised life now. And once we experience that and receive it, it secures our life to the life and care of God. Last week I talked about being tethered to God. And that's what it means. We are tethered to God. We are a part of his kingdom now. Jesus told us to live a life generous in every way so that we would have assurance of our salvation, confident that we would spend eternity with God and a sense of significance and goodness in the life we live here and now. And there's a second reason that, that God tells us, that Jesus tells us to be generous, and it's this. Because he wanted you and me to bless others. Way back in Genesis, when God called Abraham, you saw that. God said, I'm going to form this people, this nation of Israel, and I'm going to bless you in order to be a blessing. You have been blessed To be a blessing. And he told Israel, you have been blessed, not because you're special, but so that you can bless the rest of the world. And we, as the people of God, he says, I'm going to bless you so that you can be a blessing. Exactly. See, when he wants us, rather than just gathering our resources for ourselves. And building bigger barns. He wants us to be a launch pad for others to be blessed. He wants us, he blesses us so that we can launch other people to bless other people. When you are generous with your church, you bless others. You launch others. That is what our ch- church attempts to do. We attempt to launch people into the world to, to, to know life, abundant <laughs> life now, to be happy and joyful now. Our staff, we talk about about this often. We are called to give our lives away. Because when we learn how to be generous, when we give our lives in love of Jesus, it gives us purpose. It gives us a grounding, who we are. As I tell my staff, we're called to work our way out of a job so that we can train others. Our mission is to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. We have been called to make disciples so that they can make disciples so that we can continually transform the world for the kingdom of God and not for the kingdom of self. We gather not to hear me, but we gather to be a part of the kingdom so that if it's me or Roman or Charlie or anyone else, it's not about me, but we have training and we're continuing to to launch people into the world. We've seen it even in our, in our first service. Our, our choir director, Mel, wasn't there, but a college student filled in because she's been trained and being trained to lead worship. Here in our service, we always have different people up here that sometimes we're training them. And Jason does such a great job of helping lead others in worship and learn how to lead worship. I remember uh, we've had so many in, in our time here. Four years ago, we had a young man, many of you know him, Trey, who was playing drums up here. At the time, he didn't even believe in God, didn't know if he existed or not. And uh, he, he said he, he wanted to play in church just to kind of thumb his nose at the church. We took him because he could play drums. <laughs> but, but through Jason and the ministry here and from the Wesley Foundation, he became a Christian, right? And he began to learn what it means to lead worship, not just play drums, but to actually lead worship. And now he's a youth director in Stratford. He's gonna be going to seminary in the next year, going to become a a pastor worship leader at some point, getting married in the next year. That's our calling. To take those who are lost and launch them into their life. To bless them so they can bless others. There are others on our worship team who have now helping lead worship in other churches. We keep training them up so that we can send them out and having to get more and more people so we can send them out. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that great? That is something to celebrate. We want to celebrate how God is working in our midst. So far this year, we have had 227 first-time guests in our church. Of that, 116 have come back for a second-time visit. Of those, 86 have become regular worshipers here at First Methodist Church. Many of those are serving the church and tithing, and they're not even members yet. They've asked me, how can we serve? Because we've been so intentional about helping get them connected. And that's been part of our Healthy Church initiative as we've worked on our discipleship process, how we can help people take their next steps. And as we have been intentional about connecting people so that they don't fall through the cracks and so that they can see their purpose and how we can help them in the kingdom. We've had 21 people join the church this year. We've baptized 15 people, one in the first service this morning. Our youth ministry continues to reach students who don't have a church home. At least two of our, hear this, at least two of our youth are coming to church on Sunday morning who have never stepped foot in a church before, except they started coming to the youth on Wednesday night. Their parents don't come to church, but others are bringing them on Sunday mornings. We've launched a youth leadership training called the Z Team that is guiding those youth on how to be intentional uh, disciples and disciple makers in service and, and how to look for those who are new and help them connect in. At least five, currently five of our children and youth feel called to ministry. Isn't that awesome? Our church was instrumental. We started a new camp at Cedar Canyon, with Mike's help over there as well. Camp Nova. Our church helped launch that camp. We had 160 students from around the Panhandle who went to that camp. Many received Christ for the first time. Many were, uh, many were called to ministry in that camp. And so many of you helped make that camp happen. Charlie was the director, our youth pastor. He helped make that happen. And so many of you helped out as well. Our, our missions... Outreach to our community and the world continues to grow. Just think about all the ministries we've been intentional in. I Heart Canyon. That reaches out to families that are in need as they go back to school. We've adopted the Canyon Intermediate School. And and we pray for them. And in fact, last week I was at a high school function. And one of the intermediate teachers was at that function. And my wife and I, we were talking to her. And she was talking about how appreciative she is That she knows our church is praying for her, specifically by name, and for the the school as well. She has cancer, and she says, going to work every day is terrible, except for the fact that I know that y'all are praying for me intentionally. And many times I get a gift of a, a Coke or a drink or something, and it just reminds me of why I do what I do. How cool is that? How exciting is that? Our children's ministry is growing as we've gotten a children's intern, which is fun. And, and Kim, our children's pastors, she is so intentional about training these children to know Christ and to be active participants in ministry. She's training them how to pray, pray out loud, how to lead, how to serve. And her influence is not just with our kids, but with our, our nursery workers, many of whom have been experiencing Christ in new ways as well. Our Costa Rica mission outreach is in its 20th year. Uh, Charlie Munger has been instrumental in that as well. And we've helped build churches in Costa Rica and launch ministries in that country. Not to mention all the mission work that our United Methodist women are doing in our, our youth mission trip to Memphis. As Mikey said earlier, we've helped in the launching of the Wesley Academy that is helping train young students to go into ministry. And there's so much more we could talk about. These people are the reason that Jesus calls us to be generous, to bless others. Jesus once told a somewhat confusing parable of a dishonest steward. And at the end of the parable, he said this, Whoever is faithful in very little is also faithful in much. And whoever is dishonest in a very little is dishonest also in much. If then you have not been faithful with the dishonest wealth, who will entrust to you the true riches? If we're not faithful in the little things, why do you expect God to give you bigger things? God wants us to be faithful in the little things of life as well. The list of ministries that I offered and the the stories of people being blessed are the true riches of life. See, that's God knows how we are wired, that when we are wired, when we learn how to be generous people, it gives us life. It makes us excited. But so many people are are just going after terracotta warriors. The reason we talk about generosity and about overcoming the human tendency to gather for ourselves when we should be sharing with others is that Jesus warned us about money and wealth and possessions. He says this, No slave can serve two masters. For a slave will either hate the one and love the other, or be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. That's a tough thing for us in the West to hear. But we cannot serve both. Part of why you saw in the video earlier, we are called to give our first and best to God. It helps us so that we don't get in that trap of gravity that just... Consumes more and more and more, building bigger barns, building terracotta warriors. They're pretty to look at. Not much else. So this morning we're going to put our money where our mouth is. And here in a minute we're going to take an offering. But before we do that, uh, in your bulletin, you should have gotten a, an envelope with an Estimate of Giving card. And if you are a guest here this morning, we're glad you're here. This is not for you. You don't have to fill out this card. Uh, this is for those who call this church their home. Uh, but if you have a, a home church and you're here visiting, you could still fill one out and take it to your home church if you wanted to. But this is an Estimate of Giving card. What you plan, we talk about that, you have to make plans for generosity. What you plan on giving to God through the church in 2017. What is your plan? I hope you've been thinking about it. If you haven't, uh, you don't have to fill it out this morning. You might want to fill it out later this week and bring it back to the church. You, You might be like my wife and I who get busy and forget to talk about these things. She filled it out for us this morning without talking to me. She raised it again, but that's okay. Why? Because we trust God that he will provide. But you'll see on the side, it says you can choose one. What you plan to give to the church weekly or monthly or one time, yearly. Or if you have a number in mind, you can just put that number down. This helps us as we seek to plan for our missions and our ministries for this next year. And then you can see underneath that, you can put put your name. Do me a favor, please print so that we can actually read your name. Uh, we don't want you to have a different pledge from someone else because we didn't read your name right. But uh, if you'll put that down, print your name, and then there's a space there that says "Tell me more about." If there's any information you'd like about our church or some of our ministries, put that there. But also, if you would, if you would like for us to, uh, if you'd like to do an automatic draft, we can automatic draft your uh, gift as well, and then you can sign and date it. So you can fill those out right now if you'd like, and then we're going to place them in the offering here in just a minute. So I'm going to invite uh, Jason to come back up. Y'all if y'all can fill that out. So three things you're going to drop in the plate this morning, the offering bag. Estimate of giving card, your Connect card that tells us you were here this morning, and also your tithe or offering as well. Again, if you're a guest, we're just glad you're here. You don't have to put those in. We would ask you to put your Connect card in there so we know of your presence. But I'm going to... Lead us in a prayer, and then I'm going to invite our ushers to come forward as we uh, fill out these cards. Let us pray.